Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore, it's another episode. How are you all? You doing all right? Good, good. Glad to have you back. Um, we've got a great chat today. I sit down with musician JP Cooper uh, and we have a lovely chat. Um, we talk um, at length about some amazing Mancunian music. Um, we talk, well, I ain't going to tell you, you're here. So the, the sooner I stop this bit of pre-pod waffle, we can get to the good stuff. So uh, let me just do the thank you. So um, a big thanks to uh, Scroobius Pip uh, and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to um, 76 for producing this podcast. The biggest thanks, as ever, go to you lot for continuing to support and share and download and subscribe and just do all the, 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 the really nice things uh, that really helps this podcast. So much love uh, to you all. Um, if uh, you've just discovered this podcast uh, via uh, JP, then when you finish listening to my chat with him, go and explore the back catalogue because there's 350 episodes available with artists as diverse as James Lavelle, uh, Suede, uh, gosh, who else? Fatboy Slim, Foo Fighters, Motley Crue. <sighs> I just always say the same guests, and there's 350. I always rattle off the same ones. Chuck D of Public Enemy. You can hear me chatting to the one and only Chuck D. Uh, what an incredible uh, opportunity that was to chat to Chuck. Um, there's stacks. Just go and have a look rummage rummage through and uh, you will definitely find chats with i mean we talk about grunge a lot uh, as well at the beginning of this episode you can hear me talking to to butch fig the man that produced smashing pumpkins produced uh, Nevermind for uh, nirvana that's an amazing uh, episode that is you know getting to hear butch uh, talking about you know the, the music that he's really passionate about anyway um, you can find out about everything you need to know about this podcast at off the beat and track podcast.com. Always remember it's off the beat and not off the beat and track beat and track. See what I've done there. It's kind of, you know, takes it into music. Little idea I had. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, you can support the podcast as well and get access to hundreds more episodes, video episodes, radio shows over on my Patreon. Uh, that costs you 79p a month. So what's that? Not a lot, really. 
Uh, so I think it's a dollar a month and you support the podcast. And so that's really appreciated if you'd like to to do that. Uh, times are tight, I understand. So uh, if you can't, no worries. There's 350 episodes for you to dig into for free. Um, and as mentioned, it's all over on the website. Right. Please enjoy today's episode of Off the Beat and Track Podcast with JP Cooper. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off the Beat and Track Podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out, www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon, and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's Off The Beat & Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with it. Okay, we are recording. JP, how are you doing today? Very good, thank you. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. You said you just moved house. Where's home? Where are you? So, um, I was in London, because I've been in London for the last few years. I'm from Manchester, um, but I've not lived in Manchester for about seven or eight years now. Um, and I was in London. That's where my wife's family's from. Um, and we decided to move a bit further out. I want to build a studio in the garden. And in London, you know, it's, space is tight. So, we thought, you know what, let's get out. So, we're just in Hampshire. So about an hour away from London now, south. Um, but yeah, it's, it's nice. We're on the edge of the forest, which is nice. My house backs onto that. So very quiet, different, different, um, very different situation. It's very dark at night. Did you manage to kind of, was that a move that took place ahead of the lockdown? No, we, I got the keys about two weeks, less than two weeks ago. Oh, okay. so, um, so it was very recent then. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, we didn't actually think about moving during the lockdown. Um, it was kind of towards towards the very end of it. And I guess the realisation that actually I can do a lot more from home, don't need to be in the thick of it all the time. Obviously, it's good to be close to London. But yeah, I'm just trying to set up a, a situation for myself that's um, a lot more self-contained by my own rules really i think in, in the city you're constantly being marketed to and being around the industry and all that stuff it's a good thing but at the same time it sometimes gets in your head and you can very quickly forget who you are and what you're doing and and what makes you happy as well so uh, i've got two sons as well so moving away to kind of somewhere a bit greener just made sense absolutely absolutely right let's talk records um let's do it for track one I'm going to ask you to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. Track one, the greatest ever intro, is Shine On You Crazy Diamond by Pink Floyd. Um, it's, to be honest, most of the song's an intro. So I don't really know if it intro, counts it? as an intro. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I can remember, so my drama teacher back in the day um, 
gave me this record to borrow um, on vinyl. And um, I can remember putting it on in my house and listening to the intro of this and just being like, I'd never heard Pink Floyd before. She was like, you got to listen to Pink Floyd. And it just, I just disappeared. It blew my mind. It was like I was floating away somewhere. So ever since, whenever I put it on, I still get that feeling. Absolutely amazing. But I don't know if it counts as an intro. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting that you've, you've chose something that is, you know, arguably, uh, you know, two thirds of the song is this beautiful, you know, soundscape of an intro. Um, mm. So when you find yourself writing, uh, and we live in a world now where, you know, I can I can hear your little ones in the background and I watch my kids and, yeah. and how they kind of get their music and they, they sound like my, my kids are a little bit older than yours, but I'm watching these rapid thumbs and everything's so mm. quick and attention spans mm. are getting small. Does Does any of that ever kind of filter through into your writing process of, you know, because it, I think if a band went to a label now with Shine On You Crazy Diamond, and I love that song, a yeah. label would literally fall off their chair laughing, going, This is yeah. not a single. Like what hundred percent you need to trim like you know twelve yeah. minutes a of lot, fat off a of lot this. Of editing. And, like, yeah. and do you think you know it, it, it's a strange thing that because I do think that it can be restrictive, um and you know, should should your art be restricted, but is it something that does inevitably filter through because if you're looking to get radio play, you're looking to get on this Spotify playlist, you're not going to get a 12-minute epic on there. Like, you know, mm. How much of that kind of finds its way into your creative process? Do you know what? Obviously, growing up, listening to things like Pink Floyd, I, I, you, I used to sing and play in bands where that was it. You know, We'd have songs that it would say to our mates, we wrote this song, it's nine minutes long. And it was all about being sort of out there and progressive and all of that stuff. And the more and more that I found myself working in the industry, definitely those thoughts creep in. And again, like I said earlier on about moving out here, to kind of settle back into my own bones a little bit and trust my own intuition rather than relying on the rules. You know, it's kind of like I've learned enough about the rules to be able to break them a little bit. However, depending on what arena you want to exist in, you can't have 12 minute intros. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's funny that you should say that because I was torn between, and these are two polar opposites, um, best intro. The other one I was going to say was, um, Oops, I did it again. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah. That's it. Because coming from that sort of the more songwritery pop world thing, you know the song straight away. It grabs you and you're in. So I guess it just depends what school of you know thinking or taste you come from, or just, I guess, how you appreciate it. Because I can really appreciate that as being a genius hook. Um, but as far as what I come to music for, which is more of an emotional thing or a journey, or it takes me away from where I'm at. I choose Pink Floyd. Okay. Um, so yeah, there's, there's both worlds. I don't know whether there's some way that they could mold together. But, yeah, hundred uh, percent. That you mm. know, if you, I, I can give you a great example of something you should check out. I think they're going to be big, right? Their, their first few albums, they had songs like Help, which were these three minute songs that just bang, Help, right from the beginning. Amazing. And then they ended yeah, up doing yeah. this stuff like. Uh, like come together and stuff. They're called the Beatles. You should check them out, man. They're going to be massive, <laughs> man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but if you look at the I'm Beatles, sure, they, yeah, it's incredible. They they mm. they do that. They started as that pop band, you know, with these 
epic. Like just that chord at the beginning of Hard Day's Night. You know what song that is? Just from one fucking yeah. chord. It's crazy. Is that the one where everyone's? Is that the one where everyone's argues over what chord it is? That's the one. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. Oh, love it, love it. Right, I'm going to take you back, JP, and I want to know the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please, mate. Uh, everybody hurts. REM. Um, that must have been when would that, what year was that? Do you no, know, that'd be 90. Yeah, I, I will know they're my, my favorite band, I reckon. So that would really? have been incredible. That would incredible. be 1990, I think. Uh, 99, it was 1992. Yeah, um, I can remember taking uh, so my grandparents lived about two hours away and we regularly went there. And I can remember being in the car and that came on the radio and um. Yeah, it just and I can remember actually seeing the video much later in my life because my friends didn't have MTV or anything like that until we were teenagers. Really, um, I can remember watching. Was it the video where they're in they're in a traffic jam? Yeah, just something amazing about. It. I mean, what an incredible performer as well. But in a kind of not over the top. I mean, I know when he got, you know, the career progressed, he was like a bit more out there with the performance. But I thought there was something so honest about that performance. Um, but I think just that simple, everybody hurts sometimes. I mean, everyone can relate to that. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter where you're at in your life. Um, and yeah, I can remember that really pulling at something in me. I can remember always liking the sort of more somber songs when I was younger. It wasn't really, um, one, you know, I, music was, you know, I, I'd sort of nod my head to it, but they were the ones that really spoke to me. Big REM fan as well. Absolutely love him. I, I think um, I, I think Michael Stipe as a vocalist, he, he's massively underrated. As, as, as his voice, he's, he's, he's so doesn't yeah. sound like anything else. He's got he's, he's so. Oh, you know straight away. Yeah, straight away. You know who it is. Yeah, amazing band. It's funny actually. There's a lot of bands from that that sort of time that just the songwriting was so good, and it wasn't really about pop culture. It wasn't about. It was just great honest straight up songwriting yeah. that, that um yeah it's it's uh, it seemed like it was a golden era absolutely I, I see a thing the other day of like i think it was hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It was either 91 or 92 that in, in, in a matter of four months, I think Nirvana's Nevermind come out, Pearl Jam's 10 come out, uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic by the Peppers come out, mm-hmm. I think it was Automatic for the People by R.E.M. come out, and there was just yeah. this like stack of records and you just think holy yeah. shit the world was on some kind of mad creative mm. fire at that point because these bands and you've not even you've not even mentioned hip hop I mean <laughs> this know. is it look at what was going Nuts. on in hip hop in the early 90s yeah. you know yeah but, yeah a- a- absolutely and and I think everybody else is, is such a is such a beautiful song and, and such a um, positive song everybody hurts take comfort in your friends you know mm, everybody hurts sometimes mm. it's like you know and if you see it live and you can hear it in, on on the actual recorded version right at the end um uh there's a backing vocal really 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 quietly um on the recorded version, when you see it live, Stipe will just sing, and he's just like the, the player is him just singing. You are not alone. And, and yeah, you know, we live in a time now where it's becoming far more acceptable to say, "Look, I ain't feeling too good today." Mm, like, mm. you know, we're talking. What's that? Nearly was thirty years ago now. Yeah, uh, and shit, that makes me feel old, man. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah. Uh, but you know, when, when you think back then, there was. We were still living in a world of man up culture, and you know, mm, we, we, mm. you know, fellas don't talk about stuff like that, you know. And yeah. I think you know, just just a, a, an absolute maverick, Michael Stipe, and, and the band, you know, in, in mm. general, just such a, a, a beautiful, poignant, powerful, inspiring record. Yeah, no one's ever chose that, so uh, yeah, cheers for choosing that because I've, <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> I've been wanting yeah. to infuse about that record for fucking years. It's yeah, great. Gosh, I mean, there's so many night swimming as well. Is oh, that the same record? Man, it is just beautiful. That piano, oh, shit, yeah, just incredible, incredible song, right? When when that album dropped, I mean, I, I'm I'm 48. Like, I I pre-ordered that. It was like that was coming off the back of Out of Time and that record, hearing mm-hmm. losing mm-hmm. my religion stuff like that, blew my mind. And automatic for the people, just hearing them come back with Drive was the lead single, I think. Mm. Uh, and just that somber guitar and that hey kids rock and roll, nobody tells you where to go. I was like, Oh, this is this God. is this is dark. Yeah. And yeah. then hearing like the beautiful the, the, the just sonically like night swimming man, it's so good. And like, Man mm. on the Moon, do you know, absolute pop yeah. gem, like mm. soaring chorus, Sidewinder Sleeps Tonight, another pop gem, like that Crazy. album is stacked, man. Right. Mm. Really is. So tell so me good. about those 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 early years. Where where was home then? Manchester? Yep, yeah, uh town called Middleton in North Manchester. Um so those is so early nineties I would have been ten. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, things, things were all right. You know, I mean, I, I grew up in a household, my, it was a bit of a, a squeeze really. There was five of us and my dad, um, we lost our mum when, when I was only 11 months old, actually. So it was a interesting, uh, upbringing, you know, seeing the kind of fallout of that emotionally with my old man. And, um, so as a result of that, you know, we were, we were skinned, we were really broke. My dad sort of, he was teaching at the time, but he was, he couldn't teach and look after five kids on his own so he was on sort of family benefits and bits and bobs like that so it was a lot of pressure cooker food um but I look back at it fondly to be honest with you um we didn't really know much different so 
um, you know, we sort of all banded together and had some great friends. Um, obviously, very, very gritty northern sort of surroundings, grey mills, um, wet feet a lot of the time. <laughs> Um, but genuinely, you know, I look back very fondly on, on those days. Um, a lot of, you know, playing football and playing out on the street and the usual stuff, really. Was it a musical house? No, um, it was a... So my mum and my dad met at, at art school. Um, both ended up teaching, um, well, up until that point. I think the plan was that one day, you know, the, or the dream would be that one day they'd open a little art shop somewhere, Um but yeah, that, that never really happened. My dad still paints to this day. Um, never really any massive like commercial success or anything. It's just something that I guess it was, I mean, my view of it was it was massive therapy to him, you know, and, and looking back on that, there's a lot of that I learned from that process of taking a negative situation and at least having something to show for it whether it's a song or a painting or um, an exhibition or whatever. Um, so the process of creation was definitely something that was, you know, my dad wore on his sleeve and it was stuff that we discussed. And when I first started getting into music, there were so many parallels, you know, you used to have a lot of conversations um, about that. So it was definitely encouraged, which I'm grateful for because I had a lot of friends who wanted to get into music and they weren't met with uh, the same support. Yeah. Well, let's stay in the formative years for, for track three. Can you tell me the song mm. that reminds you of your time at school, please? A <laughs> uh, bit of a fun one. Um, Saturday night by Wigfield. Banger. Um, yeah, that was the, that was the one that all you know. I was I was a bit of a wallflower, if I may say so myself. I was kind of keep your head down. And to be honest, I mean that was what it was like where we came from. It was like just don't draw too much attention to yourself. Keep your head down. Um, so, but that was the song that even people like me, you might find on the dance floor when you're a bit nervous, the whole school discos, this is, you know, you might come out because everyone's doing the same moves. Um, so it was a great icebreaker. And I just remember, again, amazing intro. That, mm. <laughs> whatever it was, there was some <laughs> weird, That's a great yeah, just another <laughs> crazy little hook, like, um, and yeah, just so many memories, you know, school discos and birthday parties and things like that. So, you know, I could have thought of something a bit cooler, but <laughs> if I'm completely honest, that one trumps them all as far as like the, the standout um, song for, for introverted kids. Did you enjoy that was the one. I did, you know, yeah. Um, I was total in-betweener. Um, I was on the, I was really, I was dead skinny and could run all day so I was on quite a lot of the sports teams um but by high school I'd started getting into music so I was a bit different at first it was kind of the indie thing and then I started getting more into the grunge scene that by that point had sort of died but I was going backwards finding out about all that stuff so I looked a bit different you know everyone up there at the time was like Reebok classics and and um you know Fred Perry t-shirts and I was a bit more baggy jumpers and ripped jeans and uh, that kind of thing. But I got away with it because I was on the sports teams. I had a few mates who got a lot more stick. Um, but I did enjoy it, you know. I, I liked – I wasn't particularly studious. I was cheeky but not not too much of a troublemaker. So I kind of – yeah, I, didn't, I kind of found myself in a comfortable situation really at school. Did you know what you wanted to be? No. Um, I, for a while, I wanted to be an Olympian. 
um, you know, I was trained a lot. Um, I used to go four nights a week. I'd be out running um, with a local running club, and go and train with the men, and then I'd race at the weekends and stuff like that. So I was I was very sort of into that, not really into the idea of drinking or smoking or anything like that. And then found music and girls, and that all went the other way and you know started really getting into all of that stuff um and i guess the sports kind of fell by the wayside I, I, yeah for a while I actually i started my a levels i was doing pe in biology i thought you know maybe i'll, I'll be a physio or a personal trainer and um, back before that was really a massive career path i mean now it's like it's massively oversaturated um and english literature because i always just loved writing um so i guess that was the one that kind of came through but uh, no, that, that was it. And then, you know, as soon as I started getting into the sort of Manchester music thing, it was like, yeah, I'm, I want to do music, really. I mean, Follow that. T- tell me a little bit about what it's like, <clears throat> you know, having that moment where all of a sudden you're, you're developing your music taste and you're finding your tribe uh, and you happen to be in Manchester. Like, how heavy is the, you know, the, the influence and the weight of... You know, a his, you know, a city that's absolutely soaked in history of incredible mm. music. Like, you know, h- how much does that sort of bear down as, as you know, on you? As, as you know, is it is it easy to kind of go, oh yes? It's, do you take it for granted because it's there and you look elsewhere, or you know, do you know where I'm sort of going with the question? I think so. So it's funny actually. So after you know. Oasis were like the gateway drug, you know, they were like, they opened the doors to kind of guitar music for me. And that, that was it. I never looked back, but I did get to a point where um, I actually worked in a, in a indie club in Manchester called Fifth Avenue. Um, and all they played every night was the Manchester classics and the indie classics. And, and I did get to a point, especially when I was making music, that was like, when's Manchester going to sort of, get over this old nostalgic thing and sort of mm. when when's that going to happen um so for a little while i felt like that but now like when i hear any of those songs you know the stone roses the happy mondays it, james it, it, it just brings me back to that time and i have such amazing fond nostalgia of though that music um i think i like it way more now than i, I ever did back then um and, you know, as far as, you know, these are the people who, who, I mean, Manchester, there were so many bands, there were so many independent music venues, there were so many, there was a whole industry around it because of these bands and probably because of bands before that. I mean, I, I, my knowledge of Manchester music, I don't know whether there's decades and decades before that, I probably have no clue of. But, you know, that when I came into it, it was such an amazing energy within you know all of the venues the open mics the, and there was a kind of friendly competition you know what i found when i first started playing in bands was that when you'd go out and play in smaller cities the players were the, the guys were never quite as good because there wasn't that competition whereas in manchester it was like you always wanted to be a better than your mates band or have more people turn up at, and um i think it was really healthy it was really really healthy um I don't know what it's like now. I guess more people are sort of bedroom producers. So it's the way that music's made is different. But um, I, I feel really lucky to have kind of straddled the time where, I don't know whether it's lucky or whether it frustrates me more now, knowing that, you know, I was the kid standing outside music venues with flyers saying, come see my band, yeah, we sound yeah, yeah. a bit like this. And now it's, you know, having to learn and navigate that 
the social media thing and this new way of of, of promoting your music is um but it, i feel really lucky to be in the last generation to have experienced that yeah um i'm glad i did first song you remember buying from a record shop um it was um blue lines massive attack the oh, album. i mean if, um, if you threw in a halifer with wigfield you've clawed it back here mate that's a, that's <laughs> yeah, a great yeah. record for a first yeah. record yeah i think that, like a lot of my older um so i have four sisters all older than me i was the baby um and a few of them were really into massive attacks so when that came out i was like i need to i need to get that um i mean all of their work's incredible. What, what an amazing band. I got quite into, well, not really into that scene, but, you know, Massive massive Attack, Portishead, um, and then I guess bits of, um, what was that other one called? Tricky. Uh, yeah. Um, what was the other one? Um, Lemon Jelly. Um, Stauntingly. What name? a tune. Yeah, yeah. So that, I, went, I got into that sort of thing for a little bit. Um obviously still love it but i was quite into i mean even branching out a bit for i mean now this is completely different but apex twin bjork um you know with a lot more sort of ambient stuff going on as well i'm mm. still a big fan of yeah it, i mean when you look at that again going back to the you know the, the early 90s to you know we, we spoke about you know what was obviously going on stateside with hip-hop was, was huge mm. uh and then you know you come over here and i i guess this was pre-britpop but like obviously you've got the the grunge thing going on, but look when you look at what was going on in Bristol with Massive and Portishead yeah. and Tricky, you just mm. think, "Fuck, man!" Like that's Not- such a British sound as well. And like, mm. and mm. you you know, you ever listen to to like uh, Massive Attack? That does not date. That music never dates. No. Go back really and listen didn't. to Aphex Twin. Electronic music can date so easily, but Aphex mm. Twin, it don't date. It still sounds yeah. like it's made on in fucking out of space like mm. same with Bjork incredible you know there was such a, a surge in interesting genres you said there was like that trip hop thing going on that ambient thing there was such a mm. a boom and I think when people look back at the 90s now generally if you watch these kind of shows about it on channel 4 or 5 or whatever it's like there was grunge then there was Britpop and you they might touch on like garage but like they mm. never touch on these other like, scenes that were on the peripheries of that that were just so yeah. important, like so mm. important. And, and then there was um, actually kind of mixing them two was um, Uncle. Oh man, I, I I got to speak to James Lavelle on this podcast, and uh, man, like uh, for, for somebody, have you seen the 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 uncle documentary film that, that come out a few years ago. No, oh, I didn't know there was one. I've not thought unreal. about that band for age. I was just thinking about, you know, that lonely souls tune. They did with, <sighs> Ashcroft. Um, I mean, that, one of the bands, the verve were just one of those bands. That I don't really feel like they ever get mentioned in this. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Same way that Oasis and Blur is. Maybe it's because they didn't make as much noise like, you know, in, in the tabloids and stuff like that, but... Incredible. Urban Hymns was just just unbelievable. Um, just, yeah, I mean, we, we were so lucky. So lucky around that time. I, I think also one of the things that uh, I think always gets overlooked about The Verve is just how good the, uh, the names of their albums were. Urban Hymns. It's, it's perfect. A, a Northern it's Soul. Like, incredible. You know, mm. uh, yes, Northern Soul's incredible music, but the Verve, they're a fucking soul band. Like, mm, that music mm. is soul music. Do you know what yeah, I mean? really uh, is, And yeah. to call that a Northern Soul, you know, a Storm in Heaven. These are great names for records. Mm, and mm. I don't know if you ever saw that. Um, it, it, they released it as a DVD that their gig, is it Haig Hall, like in Wigan, their homecoming show? Right, yeah, yeah. Fucking hell, man. Like, when they're playing stuff like Come On and all the stuff from Urban Hymns, it's just unbelievable. They were such a force. And and it is, they, they kind of get sort of pushed beyond. I think because of the furore and the the madness of Blur versus Oasis, like yeah. I think everything else was always kind of Division Two to that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And some some of them bands that that got put behind that, like Pulp and Suede and things like that, incredible bands, you know. And yeah, but uh, yeah, okay, right. Let's move things forward and, uh, oh, right. and talk about clubbing. Tell me the song that soundtrack your years clubbing, please, JP. Um, well, I guess it kind of transitions from the last, you know, the last conversation, really, because um, it would be, it's not really a club tune, but it would be um, Sit Down, James. Um, again, just, you know, a lot of me going out in Manchester, you know, I went to a lot of the kind of cheap student nights and they were all just playing indie music. And again, working in one, that was always one of them songs that I, I always loved it. From like it was, I can remember it was my sisters that were into it at first. They were big James fans, and um, yeah, it just that's that's another one that really sums up my youth. That song it brings back a lot of very real memories. Um, so yeah, I can always remember coming of age and and going around Manchester because my my clubbing wasn't you know hacienda that that was gone by the time I started going out, and it was, so it wasn't really like electronic dance music or any of that kind of stuff it was very much guitar music um yeah good times it's really weird i think james uh again kind of get overshadowed by oasis the roses mm. the joy division the smiths and it's I, I read an interview once with brian eno 
and he said the most prolific band he's ever been in the studio with, he said he's James. He, he said, like, this band just rattle off hit single after hit single with with zero wow. effort. He went, they've just got a gift. And it's like, and I think when you look at bands like the the Roses and things like that, yes, that first Roses album's untouchable. Um, mm. I, I'm, jury's out on the second one for me. But when you look at, if you look at the greatest hits of James just in itself, they've got like 20 hit singles that are just classics that people, mm. you will put on and people go, shit, I've got James done that. Oh, I forgot. They yeah. That. Yeah. And like, One of those bands. They've got mm. so many good tunes, man. And like, and Tim Booth's a great front man as well. Just absolute crackers dancing, solid voice. It's just a great band, James. Yeah. So good. So, so good. Um, and I can, I can remember, um, I don't know, there was another sort of community spirit about that song, you know, just sit down next to me. It's, I don't know, there's just something, it just really reminds me of being in, being in nightclubs in Manchester. So, yeah, it wasn't any techno or house music or anything for me. Yeah. Okay, well, let's take you home. Favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Oh, county. Oh, it's happened again. We've done 350 episodes, and this is probably the 340th time this has happened, JP. I need to put the words county in massive letters because yeah, everybody right, so goes country. I was going to say something else, but... Um, let's, let's, let's do both. What did you have for country? It's not far off. It's not far off. I mean, um, it's a John Lennon tune, or um, Jealous Guy. Oh, man. So that's just up the road. Um, there's scarce as I mean, there's scarce as screaming at this at this podcast now. Going, you ain't yeah. having that. You ain't having that in Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess um, Manchester. I mean, at top of my. I mean, it always had. It ha- always has to be Oasis. Like whenever it comes back to it, it's like there's so many, but. One of my favourite Oasis songs, Champagne Supernova. Just absolutely loved it. Yeah. Is it the best song ever from my county? I don't know. Probably not. But it's it's the thing that springs to mind when I think of home. Um, yeah. I if I had longer to think about it, there'd probably be a different answer. But that's that's the the gut one. It's weird with Oasis, isn't it? It's like I I was like I run a venue uh, and I've done for, for like an indie club for thirty years now and. Uh, and and, it, uh, and Oasis is such a, a a a moment because I started there in, in the early nineties, so coming off the back of Manchester, and mm. and it was still pretty much an alternative crowd. Then grunge happened, and it was an alternative crowd, and you'd have. You know, the, the the cool kids would be like, you know, ain't it in Nirvana? Is is that fucking scruffy geezer? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it still retained that kind of the indie alternative scene felt special. You know, you felt like you know that was your tribe, that was your gang. Oasis come along, and that transcended everything. That took guitar music to football terraces. That took it. Mm. To, you know, and, and it, all of a sudden, there's this band that write killer fucking indie bangers. It's yeah, so unbelievable. They look, you know, they've got their Ben Shermans on. They look sharp. They've got cool haircuts. Mm-hmm. They're talking about fighting fucking football. And it's like, all of a sudden, your mate down the road's like, yeah, I, I like Oasis. 
Mm. And like, and then I just saw my club change. I saw wow. people that would never dream of coming in my venue in 1993, 94, 94 95. That all mm. started to change. And then all of a sudden, your lads, 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 the, the gateway was oasis. They're now coming in my club and asking me for, you know, I'll stick a bit of super grass on, mate. And it's like, all oh, right, oh, okay. <laughs> and I know when I, I heard an interview with Noel once, and he said when he walked out uh, um Nebworth, he looked out and thought, I think I might have killed the indie scene. <laughs> like, and I just thought, like, and it's mad because, you know, it, he took indie music and made it for, you know, arguably a good four or five years, the biggest selling music, you know, Britpop, you know, that was, yeah. you know, I'm an Essex boy and, and we love Blur, but it was them two brothers that stamped it big time that this mm. was going to be the future of music. And, you know, People weren't really writing about the pop stars. They were writing about these, you know, these tall, these two northern lads that were just making this incredible music, but just had so mm. much to say. And it just changed, I think, guitar music. And for better or worse, I can tell you that them few years of DJing in them clubs and playing them records was euphoric. And to this day, you know, I, I definitely think over the last sort of three or four years, like with like Liam's solo stuff, like they're, they're, they're top of the hill again. Like, you mm. know, like the amount of like young kids that are coming into my club and asking for Oasis. It's like, Oh, that's all coming back. Is it? I mean, I know it's boot cut jeans are back in. No way. Yeah. Oh, I mate, went, the I went, stereophonics I must be I, well happy. It's nuts. I tried on, I went and tried on some, I saw some trousers. I thought there was some, I thought they're, I like them. I like the, and I put them on. I was like, these are boot cut, mate. He's like, yeah, it's coming back. And I noticed I went, um, so my wife's younger sister, she's just going to university now. And we were in um, Urban Outfitters with her the other day. And it's all big baggy jumpers. Um, it's, it's, it's nuts. It's all coming back. So my niece, she was up in, she went, because uh, she's into all that stuff now. And my sister took her to Affleck's Palace in Manchester, which is like where it was like the musical hub, loads of those stores and all the indie. And the, the, they had this shop that just sold posters. It was massive. And it's all exactly the same. And the kids are buying They've got the same posters on the wall that, that we had. It's it's mental. Is 20 it make, years make, ago. Making you feel a bit old, mate? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, really old. It's mad. Oh, amazing, amazing. Um, I mean, just before we get on to the last track, let's just touch on Jealous Guy because, mm. I mean, what a, the closest thing to a perfect record, right? Just unbelievable. And the amount of incredible, iconic artists that have covered that song. Just, uh, what, I mean, but they've got stacks of them. Absolutely. Stacks of them in between Lennon and McCartney. Just, yeah, I mean, incredible. I don't know what beats that. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just think most artists would give their right arm to write anything that the Beatles ever wrote or, you know, mm. any of those huge hits that, you know, Lennon and, and McCartney's solo careers have had. And they've just got this never-ending just fanning of just incredible music. I mean... Imagine what it must be like when you just kind of wrote Imagine and you must just think, fuck me, that, that's all right, that. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, how do you process what you've just written if it's that? Mm. And then 
you know, a couple of months later, you write fucking Jealous Guy or Mind Games yeah. or Mother. You just think, yeah. God, like, how, you know, these people are truly blessed in some way, shape, or It's like, what, what, what are they plugged into? There's something. I feel a bit like that with, with um, not quite on that same universal level, but Noel Gallagher. It's just nuts. Like, and I didn't appreciate it at the time. But looking back now, I'm like, how have you, how have you came up with these verses? And, and have them be sold like some of it's so out there, but crazy relatable as well. It just, just incredible. The, the, I don't know how his mind works to put those lines together like that. It's not the way you, sometimes it is the way you talk, but I don't know, just crazy imagination. Amazing. And, and I think Noel's creative outlet, certainly on the first two albums, mm. Going into what's the story with the, the you know, the, just the confidence in how easy you must be writing these hits. And yeah. that for me, that, that what really is testament to that, Acquiesce, Master Plan, Talk Tonight, mm. I'll, I'll use them as B-sides. Fucking B-sides. Like, Mad. Who'd give Mad. their right arm to write Acquiesce? And yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. I'll stick it on the B side of some might say we talk tonight. Gosh. That's a free track CD single. Like, do you know what I mean? That's ridiculous. Didn't even make yeah. the album. I, I wish singles were still done in that way, where it was almost like I, I love the idea of B sides. Like, I don't know, music so it's so different now the way it's being consumed and and the. I don't know. It's it's a very different time. I, I I don't know whether I look back at this time and and think of it as rich a time musically as that was. Maybe we will, and we just don't appreciate it while you're in it. Um, you know, it's changing. Things are new, but it's. Um, I mean, who who are those next couple of people who who, who shake everything up? You know, how is that going to happen? It's it's really interesting. You know, in a way that it's really brings communities together i guess you know the whole grime scene and all of that stuff that's that's the nearest thing but um in, in what's that gonna to, be in regards to guitar scenes i just don't know where it's going to come from and how it's going to happen because the way that the you know the the record you know industry is now if, if that first record don't crack it you ain't mm. getting a second one and, and it's that's like... it you look at early um very early chili peppers and stuff that they, they their first first records were well, no record label have the slightest bit of interest in that but they had the opportunity to develop and they ended up having massive hits you wouldn't they were so out there um pink Floyd. It's just yeah <laughs> yeah you know, it's, how many yeah, albums did they put out before they got to Dark Side? Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a big body of work before that. But mm. I think, you know, that was in the days where labels would, you know, support, nurture and invest and, and look long term. And, and it just seems like that kind of support and interest in bands seems to be as quick as the attention spans of, of you know, a lot of teenagers now. It's, it's quite fickle yeah. and, and fast moving. And, and I just think without that, you know, I guess we saw a, a movement you know, with things like the Arctic Monkeys and, and, and Lily mm. Allen and, and that kind of boom of MySpace and, and stuff like that. And then I guess yeah. that generation of, you know, whatever, I know people call it landfill indie, but I'm not a fan of that. But like, you know, that, that point where there was all the Ks, you know, the Killers, Kooks, Kasabian, Kaiser Chiefs, and like all of these, you know, big indie bands. And what's happened since that's shook it up? I don't know. And I, and I think 
I, I don't know. There's obviously there's incredible bands like Idols and and, and stuff like that making great mm. music now. But is there going to be another, you know, band that's going to create a movement and create a scene that that will shake shit up like? you know, Oasis and, and, and Blur did at that point, or like Nirvana did, or like the Mondays did, or the Roses did, or like the Smiths did. Mm. It's like, where is that? And how is that going to happen now? I, it, it's, I think it, it's so hard for that to happen. I'm just looking, I'm so excited to see where that might present yeah. itself. Mm. Definitely. No, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I mean, you know, I, I guess straddling the two worlds of, you know, the kind of guitar music and, pop music and dance music and that stuff, it is very easy to get um, pulled into that, you know, trying to serve the masses. And I think that's, that's where it goes. That's where people go wrong with it, with, with this kind of, especially in that world. But I do think, you know, with bands as well, you know, there's not enough money to even float those guys. If there's five people in a band and there's one, you know, a lot of the time they'd still probably be having to, to turn up to work and do, I don't know. I just, the infrastructure is not, it's not built in the same way to support that process of making music. I mean, even if you look at like um, the, what they called, they went to school with me, the Manchester band, the Cortinas. Um, I think it's only really Liam who takes hundred percent of the publishing without, you know, it's pretty much about him. Mm. And I don't, I think it's difficult for bands to stick together and have that same sort of pack mentality when, um, when it's like that. Yeah, the cracks would we'll form there, surely. That's it. Like, that's it. But uh, yeah, that's that's a great example, Cortinas. Mm. Um, well, well, for the last track, can you tell me the song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear? <laughs> um, so, so, artist that I discovered like, like last year, and um, she's called Tenny. She's um, an African artist. I can't remember exactly which from a friend of mine who's from Tanzania made me a playlist and uh, this song was on it. And it just makes me smile all the time. It's a song called Case. Um, and I love her vocal. I love the delivery. I don't know what it is. It just makes me so happy. Like It's probably one of my favorite tracks of last year. I put it on and it just makes me smile um from the production to the lyrics to the to the delivery it's just it's just brilliant she's an amazing artist i think she's really really well known she's got a massive social media following i think she toured here recently maybe at the end of last year um i didn't get a chance to, to go out and see her because of new baby and stuff but um yeah i think i think she's somebody that especially the current climate the influence of african music in the uk now in, in the whole global scene it is just massive it's an amazing thing to see um and to you know to have that sort of world, what was in the past classed as world music coming into and influencing so much music now is just an incredible thing to see. Um, and yeah, she's somebody who I can see definitely ending up ac- across all of the radio stations here in the future. Well, we can make it easy for people to uh, to get uh, acquainted with that because we'll put a, a Spotify playlist uh, together to accompany the podcast, JP, of all of the mm. the songs that you've chosen about and some of the other ones that we've had a. A chat about um as 2022 is starting to gather a, a bit of momentum and we're seeing restrictions you know coming to a close and and live shows and festivals happening and you know just in general the country becoming a, a far more connected place again uh and a, hopefully a more positive and happy place uh than, mm. than it has been over the last few years of, of of strangeness with all of that in mind 
Um, what are you looking forward to this year personally and what's going to be happening professionally? Um, personally, I'm very, very excited to be, you know, settling in this new place that I'm at now. And I'm literally looking out my window at, at trees, big old fir trees and uh, setting up my studio at home, getting into that. Um, definitely professionally, um, I'm releasing an album you know, so getting that out, getting back out on the road, seeing people, hitting some festivals. Also, I mean, I, me and a few friends launched a brewery last year as well. You know, we've been kind of not, yeah, last year we've been uh, touring and trying sort of different beers around the world <laughs> for a long time. And uh, thought, you know, we've done our market research. Let's have a crack at starting a brewery. So I'm excited about expanding that this year and really trying to get out. Um, and what, what's that called? You know, it's called Grace Guys. So um, very northern sounding brewery, Grace Guys Brewery. Um, so we, yeah, we've got four beers that we're doing at the minute. We started very simple. You know, the idea was that, um, you know, with our sort of knowing people in music, we'll just give a load of beer to touring artists and get the name out there. And then COVID happened. So it gave us a bit more time to sort of tweak the recipes and things like that. And we're just getting to a point now where this year we, we feel like we've, we've cracked it with the recipes and uh, we're going to start getting out. And if there's a few festivals that, um, that will hopefully, if I'm doing this year, I, I last year, me and my wife made a, um, we converted a van into a camper. And what I'd love to do is rather than going in the bus with the guys to the festivals, you turn up and that, stick a keg and a tap in the back and see how many artists I can get to come and have a beer with me and have <laughs> our beer and maybe do some music sessions as well. So I'm really excited. Just, do you know what? I'm excited. I think one of the things that COVID gave me the opportunity to do was look at what are the things that really light me up in my life? What are the things that make me happy? And it isn't necessarily about running from studio to studio. It's more about the good life, really. I love the outdoors. I love, I love making music in sort of more natural environments. I just want to get back to the, the reason why I fell in love with it in the first place. And, uh, you know, what, better to be sort of going around festivals in a camper van drinking beer that we brewed ourselves and introducing it to new people and playing some music so i'm i'm excited for the good life this year lovely lovely jp it's been an absolute joy talking records with you, mate. uh thank you so much for your time man and, and best of luck with the camper and the beer and the music amazing pleasure thanks buddy thanks mate there you have it. Thank you very much, JP Cooper. What an absolute lovely gentleman. Um, go check out JP's playlist over on the Spotify stuff. Uh, go subscribe to this podcast. That way you won't miss any future episodes and it gives you access to the 350 previous episodes. Um, so go and explore this podcast. If you're already up to speed, I love you lots. Thank you so much for being part of this little musical journey that has kept me out of trouble in lockdown and has kept me, you know, involved in having lovely chats about records with amazing creative people, you know, and the fact that you lot listen and are on board is an absolute joy. So thank you so, so much. I'm back next time. Uh, in the meantime, just be nice to each other and, uh, and I'll see you then. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat & Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with him. Eat a monkey.